Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The neighborhood was so tidy and neat, and everybody had these perfectly oh, wow. clean houses, and we were the only ones with the dirty house, which was so. <laughs> Horrifying. And we're the only one who didn't have like, you know, we had like weeds that were up to your knees and every, all the other houses looked perfect. And then on top of it, we were the only Jews. So we were the only ones without Christmas lights. And then everybody thought everything we did was Jewish. They're like, oh, so Jewish <laughs> people don't mow their lawns. <laughs> Welcome to Women Are Mad, where we invite women to bring their anger into everyday conversation. We're all feeling it. Let's get together to work out what to do with it. I'm Jennifer Cox. I'm Selima Saxton. I'm Jane Green. So women, what's made you angry this week? Okay, I've got a good one, but it all goes on in my own little brain. Um, It's the catastrophist in my brain. I kind of refer to it these days as the dormouse. Well, the dormouse on a kind of stuck on a roller coaster, yelling its head off. Oh, and I get rather annoyed at this dormouse because despite evidence to the contrary, often completely to the contrary, this little dormouse catastrophist in my head goes, ah, oh it's going to be terrible. This is going to happen. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. Um, and I would like that little dormouse to do some gentler fairground rides in my head. Oh, that poor guy. That poor guy. <laughs> I um, We could think about that, couldn't we? Let's think about that at some other point. Mm-hmm. Um, for now, I it's made, it's made me think about a sort of similar thing, which is my own self-doubt, actually, mm-hmm. and which I'm getting incredibly pissed off with. Uh, I'm ready for it to exit the building. Well, that's another fairground ride, isn't it? That's like another dormouse on a different fairground so ride. Stuck on it's some so, kind of. It's stuck. <laughs> it's a really dull loop, and I've had enough. Jane, how about you? Oh God, mine's really childish. Um, Good, it's really pathetic and really childish, and I'm just going to tell you because hopefully I can I can sort of let go of it. So my husband and I had this really good friend, and I am no longer really friends with this person. And my husband is still very good friends with him. And last night I went down that rabbit hole of just being really angry that my husband was still friends with him. It's like really childish, like, but I don't like him anymore. And he's treated me really badly and you need to support me. And why are you still friends with it? And it was almost, I didn't say, you know, if you loved me, wouldn't you? (laughs) But But that was the subtext of everything. And it was, and and I, and even as I was saying it, I was thinking, Jane, you're being so childish here. This is ridiculous, but it's that sort of, you know, but you're on my team. Um, And so you have to love everyone I love and you have to hate everybody I hate. 
And I felt really childish, but I got quite angry in the moment, which was really pathetic. No, not pathetic, understandable. A little bit pathetic. Okay, let's say a tiny tiny bit pathetic, but what I've done myself. But um, really a mark of a great marriage, right? Or a great friendship, you know, any great relationship in our life. If we can stand up to one another and go, yeah, I see what you, I understand, Jane, why you're no longer in touch, but I am. And this is why I love this person. Yeah. And I love you. Yeah, I'm always so torn with these things because obviously the really kind of mature therapist part of me wants to, you know, say, yes, you know, that's that's immature. Actually, Jane, let's think about this and what it really means. But (laughs) the human part just goes, yeah, for fuck's sake, why (laughs) is he still friends with him? (laughs) Oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, our guest today is a writer. It is Jessica Anya Blau. And Jessica Anya Blau is one of the, is, well, she's the author of one of my favorite books of last year, which is a novel called Mary Jane, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, she usually lives in New York, but I think she's spending a lot more time in London right now, but we can ask her about that. The first time I met her, I, she was in London and she was with her boyfriend and she didn't know anybody in London at all. And she saw on Instagram that I was going over to London and we have writer friends in common. And she wrote to me and said, can we be friends? I'm really lonely. And so I said, come and have a cup of tea. And I was staying at my brother's house and he's got one of those instant hot boiling water taps but I didn't know that you had to press it down three times I only pressed it down two times so I served her a cup of lukewarm tea and she didn't complain oh that's a great sign friends yeah hi hi Jessica Jessica good to see you oh my goodness it's so lovely to see are you wearing a Bella Freud sweater of course so British. Oh, well are you done. wearing a little dog as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> this is baby. Baby. Like, she'll sit like a baby. Oh, baby. Like She's a little baby. I know. I just flew back with her last night. Jessica, can we ask you what makes you angry? <laughs> uh, okay, I guess. Oh, that's such a good question. I guess what makes me angry is when I'm shut down and I'm not allowed to speak Uh like if I'm not allowed to express myself like if somebody doesn't want to hear what I have to say or doesn't want to hear what I'm angry about or doesn't if I'm not given a voice Mm -hmm. if I'm just completely shut down I just find it unbelievably infuriating I think that's what makes me most angry when does this happen to you well it happens in relationships I mean it happens you know I mean it'll happen you know, somebody does something and you're like, okay, well, wait a minute, but you promised you were going to do this or that. And then it's just like, you know, you know, I don't want to hear it. This is what happened, whatever, you know, when you're shut down and you're not allowed to express anything. I I find that a lot of the relationships in my life, it's like, I've been allowed to express joy and love and sexiness and fun and humor, but not, I've not been allowed to express anger or fury or or even irritation like irritation is like not allowed so i find when i'm when i'm just stifled then it's uh and what happens to that irritation or anger when it's when when it's not allowed to come out what do how, how do you react what happens to you so i think i disassociate so i think i just go completely inside and i'm in the plexiglass box which is where i live most of the time anyway 
you know, so I'm just always like, just shut in my head. You know, it's like the, you know, very internal. Yeah. And, and you're just in there and you're observing the world. And I mean, it's, this was probably trained in me from a very young age. So I had, you know, I had an incredibly chaotic childhood. It was like very loving and fun and playful, but it was chaos. And my sister was slightly off the rails. And what was said to me was like, you're not allowed to complain about anything and you're not allowed to have any needs because we got to take care of her. And that was, that was, those words were actually said, like, you just, you can't ask for anything. This was an older sibling. Yeah, yeah. You can't ask for mm. anything. Like from a very young age, you can't ask for anything. You can't, like, we so just, you, have to, what, you need nothing. So what was your response to that as a, as a child or a teenager? Were you the good girl or did you oh, rebel yeah, against so, that? No, no, I was totally obedient. I was just mm. like, okay. So I asked for nothing and I did nothing and I just went out and had fun and played with my friends and, you know, we just, you know, just did what I had to do, but I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to be hurt. Like I just, it was like, there was no room for one more question or need or anything. So no other externalized voice was welcome. Did you, do you think this contributes then in part to becoming a writer where you, where you go very introspective and it's all about observing and sort of watching other people as they live their lives? Yeah, no, I do. It's like, you just shut down and you're inside and then you're watching the movie, but which I was always doing anyway. When I was a little kid, I was, you know, even before then I was, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I was shy, but I was silent and, uh, and I didn't like children. And so I didn't, couldn't play with, I couldn't understand them. They seemed like chaotic and noisy and out of control. And like my sister and all her friends were like climbing trees and climbing fences. And I thought these people are, I mean, I remember thinking these people are lunatics and I just wanted to sit. <laughs> And like read and play with my dolls. So my only friend until I was um, until I was in second grade, my only friend was a seventy-something-year-old woman, and she was my best friend. And we used to sit on her porch and drink tea. And I'm gonna take the dog's collar off so it doesn't ring. Um, I I really relate to this, Jessica, because um, you know? sorry, go on. No, no, you tell yeah. Well, I, I, I really relate to it because I didn't play at all as a child. And I really, really relate to you calling other children lunatics because I used to think, oh, dear, 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 like a little old lady with my knitting needles. But, you know, that's because I was meant I was the good girl, very much the good girl for various reasons within my family. And I definitely became an actor so I could play. Yeah. Um, but relating that back to you feeling most angry when you can't express yourself. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, yeah. I mean, so I did learn, I did disassociate just like, you know, so I would sit with the old woman and we would, you know, her name was Mrs. White. And she was my best friend. And we'd watch the kids run back and forth. And then she would say, do you want to go through my drawers? And I'd say, oh, yeah, that was my favorite thing. <laughs> go upstairs, And she had a dresser and she would let me open the drawers and take everything out and just look at everything in the drawers. Um, and so were there that- things like old lace handkerchiefs? Yes, exactly. Oh, the nurse's cap from World War Two. There were old doilies. There were history. There were soaps. Like I would just sit there and smell these beautiful soaps, and you know, and there was just everything you would expect there to be in there. Yes. Did she tell you the stories of the things that you found in the drawers, or did she just let you sort of rifle through and make up your own stories? She would leave me there. So that was something like I'd come over and sit with her. And I think it was like when she was thinking, what, what am I doing with this kid? I got to go do my life. <laughs> so she'd take me upstairs 
And she would be like, you can go through the drawers now. And then she would leave me there. And at some point she would come back and then I'd put everything back just as I found it. And that would, that was like my, that's how, that was play. That and playing with my dolls. I feel like that was Mrs. White's version of the iPad. It was like, you know how everybody sticks their child in front of an iPad today? Mrs. White was sticking you in front of her dresser drawers. It's brilliant. But it's sort of multi-sensory as well. I mean, this history lesson and and so tactile. Yeah. No, she was, her name was Helen White. And I remember her address, 1432 White Street, because then when we moved to California, she and I would write letters back and forth. But I didn't realize I was anxious, but she must have seen anxiety in me because she would take me shopping to these little stores and buy me worry stones to rub. Oh, but I, wow. I didn't know I needed a worry stone. But I mean, one of the sort of premises of of what what we're about is that women, because they can't easily articulate that anger, suppress it and sublimate it and it comes out in different ways. And it's making me wonder about this sort of apparent anxiety in you and whether actually maybe there was something at root more angry that, you know, obviously couldn't be expressed anywhere else. And so it had to come out in this sort of more convenient form. Right. I mean, it was it was a little chaotic. I mean, my you know, my, my parents were really young parents. They met in college and my mother got pregnant at 20. And so they were young parents and they had my sister and then they had me and then they had my brother. And, you know, and my dad gave us a lot of attention. And, and when my brother was born, I was, I was, he gave my, he was giving my brother a lot of attention. I actually, you know, my parents, and I do remember it. I don't remember the length of time, but they claim I stopped speaking to him for a year. So for a year, I went completely silent. What? So, wow. Yeah, so that was just like a whole year of silence. And oh, wow, age, but that is so furious. No? Yeah. I just remember feeling just shut in and quiet. And, and so how old were you, Jessica, when you? From five to six. From five to six. And then, you know, and then it was, and then I just remember talking to him one day and it was fine. And um, yeah, so it was, and then you mentioned acting. I actually always wanted to be an actress and I went to theater camp every summer. Right. In musical theater camp, and I was in theater arts, and I did acting also, which is incredibly expressive. You get to inhabit mm. a body and, it, and express it, which is the same thing as writing. You know, you inhabit yeah. a body in your mind, and you you feel the body, and you express it. It's the, to me internally, it's the exact same thing as acting. Yes, yeah, same skills, and mm. but also it, in with acting, you feel safe, don't you? I think maybe Jane, you might agree with writing, and we both might agree. Um, it's a safe boundary way that I definitely, as a child, felt able to play. Well, I didn't feel able to play crazy games with my friends because of what was going and on. And maybe you didn't know how to play those kind I of didn't games. know how. No. In fact, still I don't. Acting might be safer because you can sort of hide behind a character, oh, whereas writing great. feels very safe in the moment, I think, Jessica. Do you agree? And then, But then, of course, the book comes out and you're like, oh, shit. I, I put much too much of myself in that one. Um, I, I have a question, which is, do you remember the first time or was there a time when you ever actually just lost your temper? Do you remember the first time you connected with with the anger? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember, yeah, it never went over well. It like it never worked. I mean, I don't know if it was the people I end, if I ended up choosing people you know, relationships, but it's like, it was always like, uh, you know, like 
whoa, what's your problem? You're fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, what the fuck? Um, You've been yelling at me for an hour and I yell back and it's like, whoa, she's gone. Yeah. Was it what that they weren't expecting it from you? Maybe because I'm usually just shut in and observe, you know, it's like somebody would be yelling at me and it's just kind of just shut down and just observe. I mean, so when I was a when I was eight, when I was eight, my mother, we lived in California and my father was a professor and he was at work all the time and he was writing books and doing things. And my mother was an artist and she was got her MFA and she was painting. She had an artist studio and she quit. And so she told my sister and I, she came in and she said, uh, I quit. And she's smoke and she's smoking when she said this. And, we said, and my sister and I remember we were on the floor, we were playing Parcheesi or something. And we said, you quit? And she said, yeah, I quit being a housewife. And I said, well, you can do that? And she said, yeah. And said, <laughs> she said, well, come on. And then she showed us the washer and dryer and how to use it. And I was a really tiny person and I couldn't reach them. They couldn't reach the dials. And I remember thinking, I can't, I can't read it, mom. I can't reach it. And she's just three o'clock, just put it at three and then nine three and nine and then and then she showed us alarm clocks that she bought and put in our bedrooms and then she showed us like mop broom and she and then she said you have to get yourself everywhere you have bikes and and that's it and when you go to school you have to sign all the paperwork and have your signature on file like i'm done what so and was this it was was this true yes yeah she quit and And she she did she Sorry, did she ever tell you what was going on for her that she reached that decision? Or do you she know said, now? Said, I, didn't want to, I don't want to do this. She didn't want to be a housewife. She said, I don't want to do this. She was do you think this is sort of anger that should have landed, you know, at the at the door of her husband, your dad, but actually it sort of got siphoned off and was thrown at you children? And so, I mean, you were tiny. Well, my brother at the time was three. So we, we my sister and I dealt with him too, you know, the bathing him, you know, he would get these yeah. dirt. So this is someone neck. exiting mothering, isn't it? This is not someone exiting oh. housewifery. This yes, this is exiting this mothering. Is yeah, right. I mean, responsibility. Maybe, right. And at first she wanted us to cook dinner too, but I couldn't cook. And my sister could, but it's like we're in school and we're getting my brother off to school. And my sister would wake me up because I couldn't, I was having a hard time. My sister would wake me up and she would pack my lunch and then we'd get everywhere and we'd ride our bike to the doctor and we'd ride our bike to the dentist. My mother must have made the appointments because I remember saying, go to the dentist today and you'd ride the bike to the dentist. You know, and we just, you know, and as we got older and older, I used to hitchhike. We would just hitchhike places and hitchhike home. You know, you just get right. But nobody, we ended up not cooking dinner and she likes to cook. So she ended up cooking dinner. So she would be gone all day and she would come home and she made dinner. And so the only rule in the house, so there was no, there was there were no rules. There was no bedtime. The only rule in the house was you had to show up for dinner. And so we would show up for dinner and I'd walk in the house and both, they were very affectionate. I'd walk in and she would hug me and kiss me and she'd be in the kitchen. And then my sister and I would set the table and we'd all have dinner and we'd sit around, we'd talk and we'd laugh and everybody would talk. And then my sister and I would clear the table and do the dishes. And then you go to bed when you go to bed, you know, I always got really tired and would just go to bed. But so we had this we had this moment, this family moment every single day where we sat down and we ate and we talked and we hung out. But that was it. They didn't they didn't do driving and they didn't do parent teacher conferences and they didn't look at. What do you feel about this now as an adult looking back and as a mom yourself? Yes. So when I was a mom, first of all, that's all I ever wanted to be was a mom. So I did have my I had Mrs. White and I had my dolls. And I took the dolls everywhere with me and I still have my same dolls. They're under the bed. 
So, um, so when I was a mom, it was like, oh my God, this is like more fun than dolls. It was just like, I, and I had two girls and I always had girl dolls and it was just like, I loved it. You know, and I did everything and, and writing was great. And Jane knows it's like, you can, you can have kids and they go down for a three hour nap, 12 to three. And it's like, you write your heart out. I mean, it was just like, it was the perfect way to live. Um, but I would did everything. I took them to school. I volunteered in their classroom. And I remember talking to my dad once we were talking about something and I said something about the kids in their class. And he said, you know, the kids, I said, I can name every single kid in their class. And he said, why? What's wrong with you? I said, cause I volunteer in the classroom. Cause I show up at school. I know the teacher, like, you know, I mean, this was just totally foreign to them. So, so anyway, so that, yeah, so that was, so we had different reactions to that. And first of all, it, my sister and I were supposed to clean the house and nobody cleaned it. So the house was just, Oh, it was just a mess. And then my brother got a bird that somehow at some point just came out of the cage and perched on this wrought iron curtain rod in the family room. And it just shit all over the couch. Oh and my gosh. Had bird shit all over it. And it was just like, it was just, the stairs were like this narrow. Cause there was just stuff. Piled up. But, you know, hygiene aside, I'm so glad to hear that you didn't set to with all of that cleaning because how how absolutely appalling that would have been, you know, the little I, child I have, cleaners. I, I have to say until... Yeah, nobody's ever said that, but you're right. Yeah, until we got to the bit about the cleaning and the bird shit and the everything else, I was going to to just jump in and say we have to add a little bit of context here, which is also such a different time. I mean, growing up in the sixties oh. and seventies, there 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 was no such thing as helicopter parents. I mean. Uh, Nothing like yours, but you know, my parents were not the slightest bit interested in me, what I did, coming to anything at school. Did, you know, they they didn't do what your parents did at all. Um, but that, but you've got to sort of remember that in mm. those times, mother and definitely gone to the other extreme. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was the seventies. It was the seventies. It was Southern California. They were swimming naked with all their friends, free and easy. Yeah, they were growing pot in the backyard. There were these massive marijuana plants that they would dry in a studio in the garage. There were like these six foot plants that they would dry upside down. There was, you know, their friend, like I know all their friends. I've seen all their friends naked. They're all these like 80 year old people now. And I'll see them I'll do a book reading and I'll look at them. I think I, I've seen you naked. <laughs> like I just, you know, I mean, so it was a, it was a different era. But the, Jessica, d despite acknowledging all of that and doing very opposite with your own mothering and the, your, your, your two girls yourself, did any feelings of anger or frustration or anything come out as your kids were young or were you quite accepting of it? And it wasn't ever an angry feeling that you felt towards your own upbringing. Yeah, I know it's hard to believe, but it, yeah. So, I mean, actually the reason I thought of it is because we were talking about disassociating and, and cutting out. And so my parents also had these sort of violent fights where my mother would like empty the dishwasher and throw the dishes against the wall and smash them. Or she once took all the, her, the master bedroom furniture on the second floor and pushed it down the stairs, but it wouldn't all go down, you know, like the, this huge furniture just trying to come, you know, so they have these huge yelling fights and, so there were three of us. And so my sister would start crying and get in the middle of it. And she'd be like, you know, she'd be like standing there crying. And I would be standing back watching. I'd be watching my parents throw the furniture or my mother smashing dishes and them screaming. And I'd watch my sister crying, you know, and then like I was watching it like a movie and like, 
And I was always thinking, you know, I was thinking about it too. I wasn't, I wasn't reacting to it or feeling emotions about it. It's almost like I was, I would just be like, oh, wow, look at her. Look how she does. Oh, look what he does. And look at my sister. And then my brother, we both had this instinct to protect him. And then he'd come home and I would swoop him up and we'd take him in the backyard and stick him up the eucalyptus tree or something, whereas tree fort was. Like we were just trying to, you know, when it was time for, when he was old enough to go to sleepaway camp, I'm like, let's let's send him to sleepaway camp. And they sent him to sleepaway camp. So you had an instinct that he needed protecting, but what about you? Yeah, I never thought, yeah. So, and I had tons by, so after Mrs. White, so that was when we lived in, in Ann Arbor, in Michigan. And then when we moved to California, I made friends and girlfriends. And then it was like, I just sort of escaped with my friends. I was just with my friends and we'd ride our bikes to the beach and we'd, you know, I'd hang out at their house where they had like, you know, toy cupboards and they had really clean refrigerators and like really good food and snacks. And they had mothers who were like cooking in the kitchen. You know, so I just hung out with my friends and I was, I was like incredibly happy roller skate everywhere and ride my bike to the beach. So I just sort of created this, this life that was really connected to friends. And then I come home and, you know, and you get hugs and kisses and affection, but the house was just chaos. So when you, when you mentioned the word dissociate earlier, when your parents were having these raging fights and, and sounding like quite violent fights, which I think is enormously frightening for, for a small child, was that when you did you 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 describe you sort of looking at it and going huh he's doing this but were you dissociated then do you think do you, were you yeah definitely I mean just the way I could observe it yeah like you weren't really in it yeah just the way and then also the the whole family is is uh, and by the way the neighborhood was so tidy and neat and everybody had these perfectly oh, wow. clean houses and they were the only ones with the dirty house which was so horrifying and we we're the only one who didn't have like you know we had like weeds that were up to your knees and every, all the other houses looked perfect and then on top of it we were the only jews so we were the only ones without christmas lights and then everybody thought everything we did was jewish they're like oh so jewish <laughs> people don't mow their lawns <laughs> oh so jewish people don't have lights in their fridge because the light in the fridge went out and nobody could replace it so it's like a dark fridge my entire life you know and i remember being an adult and thinking a light bulb in there and you could see you know so it was uh yeah so we were everything we did was like jewish so <laughs> oh, that. are oh. those things important to you now is the light bulb in the fridge important oh, or do it you're in your home just, oh yeah and just like i don't want anything on any flat surface like if there's a flat surface i want nothing on it like i want to live in like a mausoleum with like a really comfortable bed you know, like I just can't, I can't stand clutter. Like I just got home. So there's clutter now on the other side of this computer, just because I'm still unpacking, getting organized. And it's like, I will not go to bed with it tonight. Oh. <laughs> Jessica, can you tell us about your angriest moment now that we are giving you a voice? Okay. <laughs> are we allowed to talk about you guys too? Because I would love to hear like why Jane didn't have a voice. And I want to hear more, I want to hear more about you. Or- no time. <laughs> no time. No time. You, no, no, no. You, you have to start a podcast. We'll come on and be your guest. <laughs> yeah. and we'll tell you all of our yeah, horror no stories of our Because I, like, you just said that. And I thought, oh, wait, let's talk about you. No, oh. this is your opportunity. See, that's who's doing you. it again. Yes. I don't have a voice. I don't have a voice. Oh. No, okay. So wait, what's the question? My angriest moment? Was that it? Yeah, or angriest phase, period, even if you can't think of one punctuation. 
I don't know. I mean, I know that I've had like moments where I've burst like in, in my last marriage where I burst out and it was like, whoa, you're crazy. You know, it was just like, <laughs> I love the voice that you do. Yeah, yeah no, that's really, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I just don't, I mean, so I did in my twenties, I started having like major panic attacks, agoraphobia, like all that stuff. And I think that has to be about feeling untethered, about feeling like there's no, there's no feeling invisible in a way. Like there, there's just, there's nothing to touch base. Like I just, like I'm just floating in space and I don't have a voice and I'm not seen. And, you know, so I think I, because they, you know, other times in my life, I've, the anxiety panic attacks have come back. And so I can right. see it, identify it now as invisibility and just being like, I'm disappearing. Am I alive? And it does talk to that earlier point about actually panic, anxiety disorder, often having at its root rage, anger, right. fury. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, but I can't, an angry moment, I, I can't, I mean. Well, maybe that was your version of it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I do, I have a problem of that. I always think I'm going to die. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, another day I'm, I'm alive. Like, I'm just so happy to find that I'm alive every morning. And so I have a hard time caring about some things. Like one of my daughters, she's like, mom, like, I know you care that we're alive, but you just don't care about, like, I have a really hard time caring about, I mean, like I want cleanliness and order, but caring about just there's just so much that just doesn't seem to matter. And so I don't know if I don't know what that is, but so it's hard for me to get mad because I kind of just don't care about a lot. Like I okay, what? So, Oh, sorry. I no, go go. Would I'm just interested Jessica, if you're in a moment of confrontation or friction, if you and I were having an argument about something and I was making you really angry about how would you how, How would, would you? Yeah, because I love. It's intriguing to me. You go straight to anxiety. You go straight to panic attacks when we ask yeah. you about your angriest moment. Right, so I wonder. Right. I wonder about you in a confrontational moment, or when you're just like, "What have you done, Salima? Where? Where what would you I go do? Yeah. Well, I mean, so there, there, there's two problems that I've been able to identify as I get older, and one is that I'm overly empathic, and so, and and I'm not. This is not a, you know, when people, what do they do? They're like complimenting themselves as if it's an insult. Mm, I, humble humble brag, survival, but I know it's not a survival humble brag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is not that. This is actually a terrible thing. Mm. So some people will be doing something horrible to me. Let's, let's just say raging or yelling or like yeah. super gaslighting me. And I just start thinking, oh, no. Now, why is he doing that? Oh God, he it was he had such a painful and I'm disassociating and I'm projecting into his head. And I'm thinking, God, you gotta be in so much pain to yell like that. Mm -hmm. That must be really like you got if you're raging like this and we're on hour, you know, two of you screaming, that's gotta be so pain. And you know, I just start doing this thing. And so I guess that's sort of disassociating. But it's a, it's yeah. a really fucked up thing to do because it doesn't. I just go into them and then it's like, you know. I think a lot of women do this, actually, maybe not to that kind of extent, but this sort of idea of always put yourself in their shoes. How are they feeling? Be right. kind. Hashtag right. be kind. Yeah. Right. Can, can we just ask, actually, just, just as a sort of um, uh, wrapping up question um, based on this, what do you do uh, to bring in calm and peace 
ordinarily in your life and, and what makes you happy? I mean, when there's conflict, what do I do? Or do you mean just in, in general? general? Oh, I mean, I listen to music. Like I just, uh, I've been, like I said, I just flew in. So I was just put on makeup for you guys. It's put mascara on and I put on really loud music and I was dancing and I was dancing with dog and I was just, you know, and I felt, it felt kind of good. I said, ah, I'm alive. I'm so happy. My legs work, you know, it's just like <laughs> mascara. I've got really good mascara from Nordstrom's that I just picked up. I was just like, so happy putting it on. I think it worked. Hope it's not it smeared. Does. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, you know, so it's just like anything. I mean, of course, being with my kids last night, I went to dinner and a show with one of my kids. and It was just pure joy every second of it. So, you know, just being I think being with people, I, do, I don't like being alone. Like I, I do get I mean, obviously, because I'm alone in my head working. I don't mind. I actually don't mind being alone. I don't. But I always want to know that there's somebody on the other side of me. Like I always want to know there's some place to touch base. I, I want to feel connected at all times. So if I'm alone and I know there's somebody to go to, I'm really fine. But if I'm alone, like for endless periods of time, it's super destabilizing for me. It's horrible. So, yeah. So, it, so for me, joy, happiness is just being with people, you know, laughing, hanging out, anything. Jessica, yes. thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. You have been an absolute joy. What a storyteller you are. You can't yeah. help yourself. Aww. I mean, I just want to take you out and hear everything now about your childhood. I, I want to hear all of your stories. So I, <laughs> I love this. Do a podcast so I can get information. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all have to be in the same city and have dinner, and I want to hear it yeah. all. You, you all like touched on something and then didn't expand and it's kind of killing me. <laughs> <laughs> you need to hear these stories. Oh, we forced you right, to talk. Darling. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Love, Love to baby. Love to you. Oh, thanks. Wow. Baby made it pretty well, didn't she? Did yes, she did. Baby. Baby. so well behaved. <laughs>